It is Wednesday and February 15th. We're glad you're joining us. This is Between the Lines. I'm Scott. I'm Junior, and we are in Mark chapter four. Mark chapter four, and I'll just get right into it. You Verse bet. one. It says, once again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. You know, it's interesting. I looked into why he did this. It's acoustics. Yeah. That's why some people think is your voice bounces off the water really well and it can hit more people on the shore. And the shoreline all around the Sea of Galilee, it's a lake, it's, it's like a an acoustic bowl because the way it slopes upwards, it, it it's a, enabled them to be able to see Jesus as well as It's like an amphitheater, better. a mm-hmm. natural amphitheater. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. He says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across the field, some of the seed fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun and soon it didn't have enough deep roots, it died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants so they produced no grain. Still, other seeds fell on the fertile soil and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. We're not going to go into explain this because Jesus will explain it in a couple more verses. So we, after we get down to the end of verse 20, then we'll talk a little bit about it. Later, this is verse 10, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around They asked him what the parables meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scripture might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. And make no mistake here. Now, Jesus is not saying that he's intentionally fooling people. That was the prophecy that this is what's going to happen. He also understands that people that don't understand at this point would understand later as they receive the Holy Spirit. But when we're talking about spiritual truths, there's no way that people that do not have the Spirit, they are not able to discern, as the Apostle Paul talked about this, not able to discern spiritual things. Go ahead, verse 13. It says, then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They they fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on the good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much has been planted. And Jesus's explanation here is pretty self-understanding. I mean, I don't know that we need to make a, a ton of comments on here, but Junior, we, we witness this ourselves as well, just even with the teaching of God's word, where yeah. you see where some it seems to fall on deaf ears. Yep. Others where they get excited about it, but they don't do anything with it. Yeah. And then you see them become uh, just pretty empty over time. It's like they, they do very little with what they hear, even though they may seem to be excited initially. 
And then there are those where, where you can see their whole lives have been transformed by the teaching of God's word. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so now, I, I it, love it happens that, today. Yeah, and I love how he uses the illustrations of seeds because when you plant a seed, it's a whole process. Mm-hmm. You don't plant a seed and then tomorrow morning you wake up. That's checking the beanstalk magic, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't yeah. happen in real life. And so a lot of times what we do as a church, we think about seeds. You know, um, when somebody walks into the doors and they don't know Jesus Christ, if they have a friend, they're like, oh, let's give them the gospel right away. Maybe do an invitation during the service or something like that. And, and that's great. Sometimes we do that and they come to Jesus and it's awesome. But a lot of times it's a process. It's a seed. It's planting a seed. It's talking about something in scripture where maybe something is revealed and the seed is getting in, into the soil. It's a, it's a longer process than sometimes we might want it to be. Yeah, it really is. In fact, even when we do give an invitation in church and invite people to receive Christ right then and there, typically the people that do respond are people that have been coming to church for a while because the Holy Spirit has been working in their lives and they've been hearing from other Christians as well as you're right. It is a process that rarely is something that happens instantaneous. Yeah, the harvest takes a while. Verse 21, then I'll go ahead and take over. Then Jesus asked them, would anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine. For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open and every secret will be brought to light. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Well, there's some powerful stuff there. but yeah. It's it, hard for us to understand this in our culture too because we walk into a room and we can just flip the light on. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this culture, light was very precious, especially at night. Yeah, it was very, very dark. Nighttime was a scary and a dangerous time. Yeah. You think about when you walk into a room and there's furniture, you know, and you, and you trip over furniture if you're not quite sure where you're at. The, the light illuminates where things are at. And this is what he's, he's getting at, that, that the light will shine. Everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open and every secret will be brought to the light. Yeah, because even the, the lamps and the candles that they use to light up their rooms, it was still very dim. If you've ever had to try it, you, you lost power and you had to use a candle to light your house. It's cozy. You know, you, it's cozy, but, it's but dim. you don't see very much. <laughs> right. And so if, you, if you've lost something, you can look for a long time and usually you're not going to find it. It's not until the next day when the sun comes up when you really have that light. And that's what Jesus is talking about, that yeah. when we come to the final judgment, then everything is going to be brought to light and everything will be understood. All right, we'll this continue verse then. Verse 24, then he added... Pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Which means it's such a big deal that we pay attention to Jesus' teachings and we act on it. Listening meaning that we're taking it to heart. We're doing something with what we are hearing. There should be a craving in us for teaching and for more of God's word. And that's one of the things that convicts me the most when I see somebody who just came to faith is they just, they're hungry for books and sermons and all of that. That should always be us. Verse 26, Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grape ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. And he was saying, we, we don't understand how the kingdom of God is working and how the Holy Spirit is working in people's hearts and lives. And we're, we're just supposed to do our part. We're simply the farmer that... that puts the seed out there, they cast the seed out there. We come along for the harvest. We can enjoy that wonderful harvest, but we don't have an understanding as to how all of this is working. We can't take credit for anything. It's God who is the one who brings the increase. 
Verse 30, Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds. We saw those mustard seeds, Junior, when we were in Israel. In fact, I cut one open because even the outer mustard uh, kernel within it, they're tiny little, it's almost like little powdery pieces that is the actual mustard seed itself. It is absolutely tiny. And he is saying that this is the like the kingdom of God starting off so small, which was just a few disciples in a tiny corner of the world that would eventually, in not long, within a couple hundred years, would take over the world. Yeah. So verse 32, but it becomes the largest of all the garden plants. It grows long branches and birds can make nests in its shade. Verse 33, Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. Because, of course, it's like a fire hose taking it all in. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. But afterward, when he was alone with the disciples, he explained everything to them. And I love this next story. We get into verse 35. We have the calming of the storm. And having been there in Israel again and having sailed on the Sea of Galilee and imagining this, just seeing you know where this all took place, it's, just, it's an incredible thing. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. They would come up, storms would come up very quickly on the Sea of Galilee, just again because of the bowl shape of the the, uh, shoreline around the water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And yeah, can you imagine that? Don't you care about us? After everything he'd done for them, don't you care? That's what we do in a crisis. Like everything he does for us, the history that we have with him, how he has proved himself faithful and fate time and again, something goes wrong. It's like, God, where are you? And he, and he does, he, he points out their lack of faith. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped. And there was a great calm. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, imagine that. And then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. I mean, they believed that he was the Messiah, but not fully understanding how that made him God in the flesh. But now they're starting to realize. I mean, even, they said, even the wind and the waves obey him. That, yeah. that would only be true of God himself. Yeah, love that story. Well, Proverbs chapter 15 is the proverb for today. And just want to point out verse one. It yeah. starts off strong. It's, yeah, it's one that uh, my wife, Linda, your mom, that she loves to quote this. And, and, and it's something that I really needed to hear over the years time and again, because sometimes my initial reaction of somebody is treating me with anger or not treating me well that I can I can be you know come across very strong, and and she says just remember what Proverbs says a gentle answer deflects anger. That's a that's a good word and I appreciate my wife for that reminder. Yeah. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Yeah. So when somebody's upset with you, by being upset back with them and getting in their face, you're not accomplishing anything. Yeah. But it's the gentle words that settles everything. Well, even just the leadership principle in this is if you really want to take leadership in a conversation, Mm -hmm. when things get fired up, you be the leader and bring things back to where they need to be through a gentle answer. Exactly. All right. We'll make it a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.